Gabe Miller here, and I want to personally thank you for checking out our podcast. And I also want to encourage you to click the subscribe button so that each week's message will automatically show up in your feed. Another great way to stay connected with this is on our website at yourimpactchurch.com and on all of our social media outlets at Your Impact Church. I hope this message today encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you. Let's jump into the message. Good. Come on, why don't you just look at the person next to you and just tell them you look good today. You look good today. Aren't you glad you get to sit next to that person today at church? Hey, um, one thing too, come on, is anybody excited about some rain during worship? We heard a little bit of rain. <laughs> I've talked to several people and they're like, Lord, bring the rain, bring the rain, bring the rain. Um, there is, uh, you've heard us talking about this for a few weeks now, but uh, on Saturday, October the 29th, we have an event that's called Pure Adventure uh, that we are hosting as a church, and it's going to be for anybody in our community. So if you know somebody who is a father, who has a son, uh, or multiple sons, invite them to be a part of that. You can go to pureadventure.com, and under the upcoming events, you'll see our event on there under Impact Church, and you can register you and your son or sons, and we'd love for you to join us on that day, and just go ahead and, and mark that down, save the date for that. It's going to be a, a, a great, great day of uh, bonding and relationship and fun with fathers and sons, and so we'd love for you to be a part of that. I'm also excited because uh, here in just a few weeks, we celebrate our sixth anniversary as a church. So on September the 18th, we will be, yeah, we will be, um, we will be six years old as a church on September the 18th, and so uh, we're going to have a special celebration that morning in our services, and then that night, uh, as we do every single year, we come back for a night of worship, and we celebrate in that way, and we just believe that God's going to move that night when we come back, and so make plans to do that. And then the last thing I want to mention is grow groups. You heard it in the announcements, but uh, we believe in community and growing together, and so our fall semester is just a couple of weeks away. Uh, we have several different group options that are already online, so you can actually go online today. Uh, or on the Church Center app and click on groups and then uh, grow groups and you'll see a list of all those groups and some details and uh, different nights of the week, different times, different topics, different um, uh, things in, the, in Scripture, in the Bible. And so uh, find the one that works best for you, maybe your schedule this, this fall uh, or something that interests you and you're like, man, I want to learn more about that. I want to grow in my knowledge of that or grow around other people in that group. And uh, get in a group this semester. We believe that God's going to do incredible things as we join together for 11 or 12 weeks. Uh, this semester takes us all the way up to Thanksgiving, and so uh, we'd love for you to be in a group. Well, today, um, there, are some, there are some times um, where uh, my wife will be talking in, uh, have, I don't know if, you, if you've never had a chance to meet my wife, you need to have a chance to meet my wife, but uh, she's an incredible, incredible person. But uh, she is really, I, I mentioned it a couple weeks ago, how we're a church that still believes in uh, all of the gifts. And we believe in God operating and that these are gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to us as people. So that we can use them to build each other up and encourage each other and, uh, and walk this Christian life out together. So we fully believe uh, that all of those things are still active. And I believe with all my heart that uh, this lady that's sitting down here, that she is really a prophetic voice uh, in our church, and I believe that if you've never uh, had a moment where maybe God put something on her heart to share with you, uh, I'm sure your moment's probably coming. Um, God uses her in God uses her in amazing ways, and uh, we were talking over the last couple of weeks, and there's a there's a word that 
that uh, she really feels like God's put on her heart that is specific for our church and for you today. And so I want to encourage you to lean in to what God wants to do, take notes, write things down. But come on, on top of all of that, will you put your hands together and please help me welcome to the stage my wife, Amanda Miller. Well, good morning. I hope I did this. Yep, I got it. I am so honored to be able to speak to you, humbled, um, undeserving, but definitely thankful that God chooses to use me at times um, to speak and to pour into you. I do want to mention one thing before I get going into this is I know he hit on a couple of things, but in the announcements was First Tuesday Prayer. And if you have not had an opportunity to be at First Tuesday Prayer, I encourage you to do so. This was something that the Lord just began stirring in. Um, I say Gabriel. If you hear me say Gabriel, I'm talking about Pastor Gabe. Um, but it, that God had put on Gabriel and his heart began stirring in our heart that we needed to get back to a place of prayer as a church. Uh, not that we were never not about prayer but that we made it more the center of our focus. And from 6 to 7, we just take, a, take time um, and, and pray. And uh, it may just be, I don't know, I'm sure some of you moms can relate. Like I get Now my kids are in here with me, but they know worship music's going to go on and we're here to pray. And so I want to encourage you, if you have not been, to plan to attend. It is a great time just to be in His presence and just to have some time just to pray. But um, I am going to be speaking to you today, um, actually, briefly about what I, I briefly hit on last week. When I, if you were here last week, I got up and shared at the end of service. And, and after I did, I went home and I just felt like the Lord just kept saying, keep digging, keep digging, keep reading. And so I did. And today the message is titled, On Purpose. And I'm going to be reading from 1 Samuel 17 majority of the time, but I'm going to just take a moment just to pray, and, um, and just we are going to get going. So God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you. This day is all about you. This day is the day that you have made. God, help us just to rejoice and be glad in that. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you say where two or three are gathered, Lord, that you are in the midst, and you are in our midst today. God, that there is nothing special about this building. It is simply sons and daughters of yours coming together to worship you. Making you our focus. So God, I pray, Lord, that every word that I speak, Father, will just come from you. God, I want to be your conduit today, Father. Just speak through me, Father. And I pray, Lord, that hearts and ears and eyes will be open, Lord. Just receive the revelation you want to give each and every person. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to be reading from 1 Samuel 17 today. And um, as many of you are probably familiar, it's the story of David and Goliath. And I wrestled with this because I'm like, I grew up in church. Um, and I'm like, it's such a familiar story. But how many of you know we never stop learning and growing in the word? And, and you can't get too familiar with God's word to, to quit learning from it. So we're going to be reading from 1 Samuel 17, but I'm going to start, before actually reading it, I'm going to start by just, I don't really like history, well, I like history the older I get, but I don't want to say a history lesson, but just some, some facts about the story of David and Goliath that I'm going to share before we actually begin digging in. So 
so here we are in the story of David and Goliath. And David, it, it says that Goliath, this has already been going on for 40 days before David had come and heard Goliath. Um, one thing I did not know, and, and some of you may be like, well, I already knew that. Awesome, you're going to hear it again today. The one thing I did not know was that the, it, it said that David actually went back and forth while everyone else stayed with Saul to fight the battle. David went back and forth. That's in verse 15. Um, where it says, but obviously, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend to his father's sheep at Bethlehem. I had always missed that. So, um, but it is actually believed that it was about a 15-mile walk from the field that he was tending sheep in to the Valley of Elah where Goliath was. Now, some of you, I mean, I was actually talking to my dad about this yesterday, and he was like, well, that was no big deal for them. And I'm like, man, I can't even walk two miles, let alone 15. But whether or not it was a big deal for them back in the day in the Bible, it's still 15-mile walk this, this guy was walking. And I was going to say this man, but he wasn't a man. He was a child. So, so he did this multiple times. But then in verse 23, as he went back and forth, but in verse 23, this is what it tells us. That as he was talking with them, Goliath, the, Phil the Philistine, so he had gone back to the valley of Elah. And it said, as he was talking with them, the people there, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. So he had been going back and forth multiple times. Forty days, Goliath had come out morning and evening, morning and evening. And somehow, I don't know, until verse 23, then it tells us, on the 40th day, David heard it. And how many of you know David didn't just hear it? I believe he heard a calling from God to do something about it. David came simply. He was told by his father, take lunch, take some food, take some grains, take some cheese to your brothers, give them some food. And we all know, I'm sure many of you have heard the size of Goliath. He was about 10 feet tall. And I began, I just Googled, like, what are things that are 10 feet tall, about 10 feet tall? This could be the size of an average U-hole. The average African elephant is 10 feet tall. They can get up to 13 feet tall. I'm a visual person, so when I began looking that up, I'm like, that dude was huge. His armor Average, they, they estimate it was about 125 pounds that he was wearing. He was wearing. I mean, that's, that's a lot of weight. So I believe that there are a few things, though, that we can learn from this story. So point number one is we can run in obedience. In verse 48, and I'm going to be skipping around at times reading just different parts of the verse the different parts of the chapter. But in verse 48, it says, As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. I think, I wonder, if David knew, if I walk towards this guy, I'm going to run in the opposite direction. But I know what God's told me to do, so I'm going to run. I'm not going to walk. And I wonder... What would happen if we all lived the same way? If when God said, go do this, if when God said, go say this, that we didn't just sit there, I don't know about you, I've been, I've been guilty of this myself. I've stood there at times, 
been at home at times having a conversation with the Lord. But don't you know? But, but, and sit there and had a conversation instead of just running in obedience to what he's asking me to do. And I believe that that's something we can learn from David, that when we're called to do something, we run to obey. Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us, right, to run the race set before us. Hebrews maybe 11.1 1 through 2. But as I was studying this and reading this, and, and even this morning, I felt like that there are some of you in the room that when I said this point, that the thought was, I have been running, and I'm out of fumes. I'm, I'm running on fumes now. I'm, I, I don't feel like I can run anymore. And I would encourage you that Hebrews reminds us to run the race set before us. And maybe you're that person that you say, listen, I've been running. And I'm done running. Or I've been running in obedience and I'm tired. But I just felt like the Lord just wanted to remind someone in here that if you'll just stop and ask him to refill you, to renew you, to give you fresh vision today, to run in obedience the race he set before you. Because we're called to live surrendered to God fully and obey God completely. And some of us feel a call to do something right now. You know, you may feel God calling you to step out into something new. And some of you, um, I know it's been for me that the Lord's just been reminding me of things he had called me to do a long time ago. And I didn't obey in. Or maybe it wasn't the right timing in. And maybe that's you today and you say, I don't know which way to run then I would encourage you to stop and ask him, what do you want me to run in? But maybe it's you, and he wants to remind you of what he once told you to do that you can go back and run it, that you can now run and do. Because I don't believe it's ever too late. I love that song today. They, they have not even read my notes. <laughs> the worship team did not even read my notes. And the, one of the lines of the song, the first song we said, if, you're not, if I'm not dead, you're not done. So regardless of your age or your whatever, you can run in obedience today. Because obviously you're not dead because you're in here. So he's not done. And he's got a purpose and a plan for you. You know, David, he even had the opportunity to wear Saul's armor and take his sword. But he was available and willing to go fight simply with a sling and some stones. But he knew that God would use what he had. How many of you remember what Gabriel talked about last week? One of his points? Let him use what you have. We all have something in our hands. And, and David was willing. He knew he didn't need Saul's armor because he, was, he knew he was fighting in God's armor. And we all have access. Hey, the Bible tells us about the armor of God that we have access to, right? There's actually going to be a grow group this semester about the armor of God. But the good news is, is that when we fight, we also have access to that armor. Verse 26, if you're in 1 Samuel 17, verse 26 tells us, David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And you know, last Sunday, this was the verse I hit on. Because, the man, the Spirit was just stirring it within me so strong that we have God. I mean, there's no words to accurately describe our God, how big he is. And, and so David's saying, hey, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who doesn't even have our God on his side? 
Who cares how small I am? Who cares how young I am? I will fight in the name of our big God, right? Corey Ten Boom she, Boom, she mentioned this. When we walk in obedience to God, he orders our steps and our stops. Some of us desire to be used by God, but we haven't made space in our schedules. There's no space. We have a little calendar on the side of our fridge. I thought this would be helpful for our family, but I found my children go to it often and just remind me of what we have going on. And there have been many days where I just want to go erase all of it because I'm like, we're doing nothing, absolutely nothing. But my, our calendar on the side of our fridge, it reminded me that even it came back to me as I was thinking about this, this area, how I believe that all, if, we, if we have God, if we have asked God into our heart, if we are living for him, we desire to be used by him. We might not know how. But there's a desire that he's placed in us to be used by him. But we have to make space in our schedule to be used by him. And some of us, our calendars are so full that you say, God, I want to obey you. And he's like, I'd love it. But when? I mean, don't get me wrong. We have four kids. And between cross country and basketball, I mean, you know, if you've got kids in the room, and even if you don't, life gets full real fast. And we've got to intentionally carve out space. Some of us don't have room in our finances. Or that's what we use as an excuse. Because um, sometimes our finances do limit us. But I remember when we were youth pastors um, on staff at a church in Oklahoma. And we felt the Lord just stirring in our hearts to pay every bit of our debt off. Except for our home. And we did. And then, not knowing the season that was coming that God was going to call us out to plant the church. But we talked about countless times where at the time we chose to be obedient. And, and even to this day, like our vehicles are paid off. We only owe on our home. But it's because we want to be able to run in obedience to what God's called us to. And we don't want to be a slave to the lender and be held back by debt. So when God says, do something that we can just run. Now, don't get me wrong. If you're in here today, I'm not telling you, well, you're in debt, so you can't run. That's not true. God, with him, all things are possible. He will use you. He wants to use you. But I do think that it hinders us. Um, it doesn't help us run that full race because, I mean, bills have got to be paid, right? <laughs> and, and I think about, had, I wonder, we've talked about at times, what had happened had we not obeyed God and just paid everything off, not knowing the season that was ahead of us stepping out in full faith to, to obey him, to, to plant the church. But even the fact that David had to stop doing a good thing, because he was doing a good thing, he was tending sheep to go do something that God was calling him to. It wasn't a bad thing. And some of us may have, some of us in our life, we may have good things that he's just asking us to step away from. Because he wants us to step out in something different. And so something, a question I would pose to you is, are you being distracted by the things of this world? Are you being distracted by even good things and not stepping up and out into what God is telling you? I even think about, um, we have four kids and I, homes I homeschool them. But... Um, a long time ago, I'd felt the Lord burden in my heart to write a kid's book. And let me tell you, I have made excuses after excuses after excuses of why I shouldn't, I can't. 
and I felt the Lord convict me heavily lately is you're never going to have time until you make time. Do I have a lot of time? Do I have four kids that come knocking at the door the second it closes? Absolutely. But if God is calling you to it, I would encourage you to carve time out for it. I read this in a, in a book a few months ago, and I just felt like it went so well. There was a, during the imperial age, under Julius Caesar, Augustus, Tiberius, and I'm not going to continue to say all the names, these were, these were kings. But there was a time where they would carve 135 days out of the year for gladiator, for games of all sorts and celebration. But what the people didn't know was during this time, these kings, these emperors, they had gotten together and made a plan. We're going to play all these games. We're going to have these celebrations. And during that time, these people will not realize that slowly but surely we're taking away some freedoms they had. And, and I just began to think how we get like that in life. How easy it is to begin veering off. And we don't even know what's happening. It's like, it's like poison laced with sugar, you know. Seems pretty good, harmless, right? Not even bad things, but how it'll get us off track of what God's called us to do. The enemy wants us to give up what Christ died for us to have. Our freedom, our purpose, anything that God's given us. Whether peace or joy in exchange for just not even bad things in this world. And when our life is focused on the things of this world, we can be distracted from our calling and I would say even deprived of our destiny. I heard a pastor say once that we are destined for impact, we're living in the present, but we were made for eternity. And I think that we often delay waiting for the right time or enough time that simply won't just come. We have to intentionally choose it. We have to do that on purpose. The enemy will try to distract us, trying to destroy us, and this destruction by distraction is more difficult to detect because it often doesn't involve bad things. It can be good things that just take the place of the most important things. I can't tell you how many times Gabriel and I have gotten together, um, just like gotten together and talked, and we're like, wow, we've spent zero time with our kids in the last few weeks. We've spent zero time together having conversation or, or how easy it is to just get so busy that we miss the most important things. God, our time with him, our relationship with him, and then our spouse and our family. That there's an order of priority that God has given us clearly in his word. And don't get me wrong. I, I do believe God desires for us to enjoy the life we've been given. But we were never called to just play. We were called for purpose too. And if we're just spending our life playing and having lots of fun, you're still gonna, we're going to feel empty at the end of the day because it was all in fun. But where was the purpose? The purpose as to which he's called us to. We each have a purpose. And I mentioned a minute ago how Gabriel had mentioned to use what we have last week in one of his points that God wants to use what we have because God can do great things with that. And, and David wasn't focused on what he didn't have because in verse 50, 
Verse 50 said, so David triumphed over the the Philistine with a sling and a stone without a sword in his hand. He struck down that Philistine and killed him. And I believe that he had to choose to not be focused on the fact, I don't got a sword. I don't got a sword. He chose not to have a sword. He could have had Saul's sword. He chose not to carry it. Not only that, one thing I hadn't thought about, we all know, says he took these small, smooth stones and a sling. But scripture even tells us that Goliath was wearing a bronze helmet. I mean, how many of you know we put helmets on our kids to protect their heads so when they fall, it doesn't hit? This giant was wearing a helmet. And still yet, David managed to hit him in the right spot and make him fall. Can we say God? (laughs) I mean, only God. The odds that David would hit him, as big as Goliath was, as small as David was, and here he was, you know, it says even David was reminded that, that Goliath had been a warrior since he was a youth. And here he was just a child coming. So, I mean, I feel like it's almost getting at the point that Goliath has been fighting since he was a, a youth. So meaning that he's not a youth anymore. I mean, he's a grown man, I would think. And then here comes David as a child. And then what does David do? Takes sword, Goliath's sword, and cuts his head off. Said, I didn't, need a, I didn't need a sword to beat him because he had God and he takes it. The things in life that we feel we lack, I would wonder that God just sees we don't need. Or that maybe it's just not the right time for it. I can't tell you how many times Gabriel and I have watched this in our personal life and in the life of this church. That in moments where I've said, God, but we don't have this. We've said, God, but we feel like we don't have enough of this. Well, one, he provides. He is our provider, and he will give all that we need. But maybe it's just not the right time, or maybe it's just we don't need it. He doesn't need special things to be in your hands today. He can use what you have, but we've got to choose to let him. Because he's not looking for some special ability Maybe you're somebody in here, I've, I've, honestly, I've struggled with this my entire life of comparing my own ability or lack thereof to, um, to others. I'm not going to lie, it's hard getting up here. My husband, the God has anointed him. I am thankful. I enjoy getting to hear him speak every week and then get up here and I'm like, I'll speak like him. But the Lord still wants to use us, even if we don't do it like the person next to us. And to discount that, it's, it's telling God, well, you missed it when it came to me, and so I'm just not going to let you use me in that. If he's telling you something, it's for a reason. Even when I said about the kids' book, I can't tell you how many times I've told the Lord, you know how many kids' books are out there? Yeah, he actually does. It says he knows the number of hairs on our head, so he knows every kid book out there that I don't even know about. But he still wants to use it. I don't know why he chooses to use me, But he chooses it, and he wants to use you today, too. Number two. Before I go on to number two, what I was getting at with our abilities is all he needs is your availability. He doesn't need your ability. And some of you have got some abilities in here, and you've not made yourself available to him to use. You've hidden. 
you hide in the corner, you hide in the back, you sneak in, you sneak out here. Maybe you even have abilities at your workplace that you haven't even shown because insecurities or whatever. I would encourage you, he's given you what you need. And if he's calling you for it, just be available to be used by him. It's about him. It's not about you. I told him that before I even came up here. Remind him my own heart. This is about you. This isn't about me. So number two, we recount the victories God has already given us. Verse 32. Verse 32, David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. How many of you know it's easy to lose heart? It's easy to lose heart because of what we see in life, because of our circumstances. But here David is, he's encouraging them. Hey, some, version, some scripture says, um, I'm reading from the NIV today, but some scripture even says, let no man, he's saying, let no man's heart fail. Just don't lose heart. Don't quit losing heart. It's okay. I'm going to go fight him. In verses 34 through 37, David does this. He's saying aloud his, the victories he's already seen God do by helping him kill the lion and the bear. And I wonder if it wasn't just saying it, it wasn't like a bragging way, but he's even trying to say it out loud to encourage his own heart. Don't fear, don't fear. God help me kill a lion. God help me kill a bear. But I love this. Let's pick up in verse 36 through 37. I was talking, I went over to my parents yesterday for a little bit, and I was telling my dad about this. And I told him, I said, of course, you know, we can't hear tone in Scripture. But I just wonder, David, in this moment, this is what he's saying in verse 36. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. I don't, I'm not saying he came with an attitude. I don't, I don't think he was cocky. I'm not saying that. But can you imagine? I mean, it, he's just like, this Philistine's going to be like one of them. He's going to be like the lion and the bear. It don't matter. This is what he said, this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord God, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. And this is Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. What else are you going to say to somebody? I mean, how can I argue with that? You've just told me you killed a lion, you've killed a bear. What else do I say? Go and the Lord be with you. And he was. And he is with you also. And that's why we've got to recount the victories. The fact that 1 Peter 5, 8, we, we quote it so many times. The enemy prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I was actually talking to our kids about that this last week. And, and one of our boys asked, why doesn't God just remove the devil from the earth? And if that's what he does, you know. But I think here's the great news about being his sons and daughters. This shouldn't scare us that the enemy prowls around like a, a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. It's true. But God. And it should just simply light a fire under us that says, you know what? I will not be defeated. I will not be worn down. You can try. But it will not work. I will continue to run in obedience. I will recount the victories the Lord has given me. Psalm 77, 11 says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. I will remember the works of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. 1 Samuel 12, 24 tells us to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all of our heart. 
to consider what great things he has done for us. And as I was preparing for this, I felt led to remind someone, someone, like you saw the, the title, will you put that back up there? You saw the title on purpose, and you were like, oh great, we're talking about purpose in here, and what my purpose is, and I've never known what my purpose is, and I don't know what it is. I want to encourage you today to stop focusing on what, and worrying about what your purpose is, and just focus on him. Focus on being faithful and obedient right where he has you. Focus on being love and light to those around you. He'll show you your purpose. And it may be in the smallest of things, but he will reveal it in his time. The enemy has got you trying to be anxious about, i got to find my purpose. i got to know my purpose. And just focus on him. That's just a little side note. But anyway, Psalm 103 verse 2. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Some of us in here need to tell our soul, praise him. I will praise him, and I will not forget his benefits. I will not forget all the things he's done for me. Psalm 119, verse 55, in the night, Lord, I remember your name, that I may keep your law. And I just wonder, when David was writing this, he was in the night. He was in the dark. Maybe he was walking through a really hard time. I've been there. We're just walking through a, a hard time. And, and Lord, I'm struggling to remember your name. I'm struggling to see you right now. Help me. And I just wonder if that's where, that's where David found himself in moments. Because, man, he went through some hard. Psalm 143, verse 5. I remember the days of long ago. I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. What is he telling us? He's choosing to think on all that God has done. Could he think on other things? Absolutely. But he's going to choose to think on all that God has done. And look in anticipation for what God will do. Because when we shift our focus on God... And remember his works in our life. Our I dependency problem is changed into a God dependency blessing. Don't miss this. Our I dependency problem is changed into a God dependency blessing. My mom sent, sent us a quote this last week or the week before. She's so great about just like sending our family text group uh, just random things that she's hearing. And... Um, or reading, or whatever, and it was about how when we choose to focus on the positive, when we choose to focus on God, it's not that we're saying the bad's not there, but we're saying our God's bigger than the bad. And it's a choice we all have to make. I read a quote that said, we find joy in every day, not because life is always good, but because God is always good. And how do we find joy even in the hard? By doing what we were reminded to do last week again, to give thanks in all things, to recount our victories, thank him for what he's already done, and go ahead and thank him for what he's going to do, because he's going to be faithful. Psalm 34, 1 through 3, this is actually the G&T translation, I will always thank the Lord, I will never stop praising him for what he has done, may all who are oppressed listen and be glad, proclaim with me the Lord's greatness, let us praise his name together. Hmm. may we always thank the Lord because we have so much to be thankful for so number one we're going to run with obedience number two we're going to recount our victories and number three our final point is we've got to reject rejection 
and lies. Hmm. In 1 Samuel 17, 28, if you'll look with me there, when Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Then that wasn't even it. It says in Psalm 27 that David was rejected by his parents. He was overlooked. He was, he was forsaken, I think is actually, um, maybe the King James Version is what it said. He was forsaken by his parents and he said, but the Lord will take care of me. And then, you know, even when Samuel came to look for the king, no one thought to go grab David. Here's that rejection again. And then here we are in verse 33. Verse 33, Saul replied, he's talking to David, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. Rejection, rejection, hurt, hurt. But yet we see all that David did, and I believe that's because he had to choose. I will reject rejection and the lies of the enemy, and I will run in obedience. I will recount my victories. I'm going to do what Jesus told me. I'm going to do what God told me to do regardless of what I'm facing. Chose not to hold on to it. In 1 Samuel 17, verses 42 through 47, we're going to read it. He looked David over. He being the Philistine, this is Goliath, he looked David over and saw that he was a little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword? I mean, hello, first of all, somebody come tell you, you're coming at me with sticks? Are you kidding me? Talk about how insecurity could quickly flare up because he's being reminded of the little bit that he's got in his hands. But this is what David's saying. He said, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. Now, granted, I'm not saying David said it with the attitude that I just had while I was reading it, but it sure gets me fired up thinking about what he chose to respond in the midst of that ridicule, in the midst of the hatefulness, And I think some of us, we need to rise up and choose to respond. You know what? That may be true about me. But you know what? I got God in me. I got God on my side. And it will not stop me. You know what? People may have said hateful things about you. But that's okay because you're going to continue to walk out in character who you know God has made you to be and what you know he has called you to do. It will not stop you. It does not have to stop you. We all have a choice here. I'm not trying to say you're David, but I think we can learn from this. We need to begin to speak the truth. Man, David didn't even have this. We have this. And if we're not using it and speaking it against the lies and the things that may try to come against us, we're not taking advantage of a weapon that God has given us. The truth of his word. 
And we can speak that out, in not even in defense to defend ourselves. But you know what? I have nothing to fear because God is on my side. When we take a step of faith to do something for God or to help hurting people or whatever, Satan's attacks and persecutions, they're going to come. I mean, David, this has happened to him countless times. I mean, the whole psalm is written often in response to hard he was facing or honestly even regret he was facing for, for mistakes he had made. Psalm 51 is in response after he had had an, adulter- had an adulterous affair with Bathsheba. And it's a beautiful, it's one of my favorite psalms. They're all so good. But, but still, they're going to come. Attacks, persecutions, they're going to come. But I want us to notice something in verse 30 of chapter 17. He tells us, this is what it says David. David did. He said, it says, this is after, this is in response to what his brother said when he was saying, you're conceited, I know how wicked your heart is. This is what it said he did. He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter and the men answered him before. But this is what I don't, I don't want us to forget. The, the point I, I want to make in this is, what did it do? What did he do? He then turned away. Some of you need to just turn away. Some of you need to turn away from the lie you're hearing in your head. Some of you need to turn away from whatever it is that you feel like is holding you back. Maybe it's that, it's that rejecting that rejection. Maybe you've been rejected. Maybe some things have been said or done to you, and, and you're struggling with that, that you're going to choose. I'm going to turn away from it. I'm going to leave it right where it was, and I'm walking. I'm, I'm going to continue to run in obedience. Psalm 119, 165, I mentioned it. Um, that, that just even offense, I mentioned the word offense, but this is what it says. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Put that back. The reality is, is things in life, it's inevitable. You're going to have a chance to be offended. But we get to choose to live offended. We don't have to stay that way. Because Ephesians 4.27, it points out that if we live in anger, harbor bitterness, leave easily offended, that we're giving access to the enemy. This is what it says, Ephesians 4.27. This is the amplified version. And do not give the devil an opportunity to lead you into sin by holding a grudge or nurturing anger or harboring resentment, or cultivating bitterness. And I would just ask you to ask yourself, are you giving the enemy a foothold through something of that nature? I have at times in my life. I've given him a foothold because I've allowed offense. I've stored it up, you know, just hurting and, and held on to it. But Martin Luther King Jr., he said, it this, he said this, forgiveness is not an occasional act, it's a constant attitude. And, I mean, how many times the word reminds us to forgive? You've got to forgive. How many times you forgive? Seventy-seven times seven is what he said, which had nothing to do with the actual number. Just, just the, you know, to actually forgive. Because we know that holding on to offense, it only hinders us and holds us back. It doesn't help anything. Proverbs 19, 11 says, A person's wisdom... Another version says good sense, but a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. 
Proverbs 18, 19, a brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city and quarreling is like the bars of a castle. Proverbs 10, 12 says, hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers all offense. And honestly, I don't think it's just talking about hatred we show outwardly. I think it's even hatred we hold inwardly. But the love that we choose to carry inside and show outside, it covers all the offenses. I I heard this pastor say, he said, if I were the enemy, I would try to divide Christians in the church. Because when they are united, followers of Jesus are unstoppable. And how many of you know the world, this divided world, needs a united church now more than ever? So what is the enemy, what's he trying to do? He's trying to divide the church. He's trying to divide us one against another. And I'm not talking about us in general. I'm just saying the church body as a whole. 1 Peter 2 and 23, when they hurled their offenses, their insults at him, he did not retaliate. This is Jesus. When he suffered, he made no threats. And none of us are suffering the way Jesus did at this time. But I want you to hear this. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. My question, another question for you today is, are you entrusting yourself or whomever you're currently holding an offense for to him who judges justly? Are you entrusting yourself or whomever to him who judges justly? Because it's him. We're called to entrust, to just fully trust him. Every person in circumstance is way better off in the hands of God than our own. We can't fix or protect like he can. And when we try to protect ourselves, we just give ourselves a hard heart, really, and it it, it doesn't help anything. Galatians 5.13 says, don't use this as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love. We waste time holding on to hurt. I've wasted time holding on to hurt. And some of you in here have been through harder things than I have. And today, even sitting in this room, are struggling with hearing me say that because you've been hurt real bad. And I'm sorry, but it's holding you back today. It's not helping you. What will help you is forgive and place it in the hands of Jesus. Instead of hiding and holding on to the pain, embrace the healing that he has for you. He wants to help you today. You know, I mentioned Psalm 51, and Psalm 51, it tells us, it, uh, it says, create in me a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And we want a clean heart. He gives us a clean heart. He makes us new when we ask him into our heart. He makes us new. Matthew 5, 8 says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. He didn't say the perfect in heart. He said the pure in heart. And I think that a lot of times, holding on to fear, holding on to offense, holding on to shame. I mean, you think about all the things David did, how the things that he did wrong, yet God called him a man after his own heart because he was willing to just go back to Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong. That's not a license to go out and do whatever you want. But it's saying stop letting the things that you've messed up in keep you from being used by him. He still, he wants to use you today. I would challenge you, once again, I like questions. My daughter hates that I like questions. Because it's up to you to think about it. And ask the Lord to show you, because he can, he can do that way better than I can. But 
I would challenge you to ask yourself today, in choosing to hold on to this hurt, offense, unforgiveness, or whatever, what are you keeping yourself from being able to pick up? Because God wants to move in and through you. But having a hard heart, I believe, hinders that. God wants to bless you and be a blessing through you. But allowing yourself to hold on to fear and shame and unforgiveness, offense, whatever, that hinders us. You know, a few weeks ago, Jerry, um, he was a guest speaker. Really, I mean, I feel like he's not even a guest speaker anymore. He's, he's not even a part of the church, but man, he comes in and always just brings a powerful word. If you didn't hear, I encourage you to listen. But I wrestled with this because this third point, because I thought, Lord, he came in and he preached a powerful word. We weren't even here. We watched it online. It was when we were on vacation. And he preached a powerful word on, on forgiveness. If you not see that, you can, you can look on YouTube or um, Facebook Live. I believe it's still there. But I, I felt like the Lord, I talked to Gabriel about it, but I'd, and then I was like, Lord, I'm just struggling with talking about this because he already, I mean, he brought a great word and reminded us about what the word says about forgiveness. But I just felt like he said that he started a work and planted a seed and he wants to finish what he started. And, and he wants us as his sons and daughters walking in full freedom. And, and maybe you laid part of it down that week or maybe you weren't even here, but I want to encourage you that he wants you walking in full freedom. And his word says that he gives beauty for ashes. But if I'm holding the ashes, I can't pick up the beauty. I mean, God can do all things, but maybe in here today, you're clinging to the ashes. Clinging to your hurt. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. I'm going to ask Gabriel to come up. Maybe today, though, you're you're clinging to the ashes, but you can't pick up the beauty. And, and even back to our, our title today, so why on purpose if we're not talking about the purpose, really, that God has for us? It's because I believe that we've got to run in obedience on purpose. It's not going to happen, just happen. No, it's going to happen because we did it on purpose. We've got to recount our victories on purpose. We've got to reject rejection and lies on purpose. Why? Because his, pu- his purpose, it matters more than our preference. Because his purpose, it matters more than our plans, our time frames, how we want it to happen, when we want it to happen. His purpose matters more than people's opinions. Will you stand with me today? I believe that there are some in the room and maybe certain parts you related to maybe not but maybe today you say in here I'm holding on to that offense and I don't feel at peace because that scripture in Psalm that I read he says those are in peace that choose not to take offense they keep his law and choose not to take offense and you need today to say you know what it was done to me but I'm going to choose today to quit being offended maybe today you are gripped with fear But today, you need to say, I'm done holding on to fear. Because I can't pick up faith. I can't run my race. I can't recount victories when I'm holding on to fear. Maybe today, you're holding on to shame. Man, some of you, God has placed things within you. Think about David, all that we, the gift of the psalm that we would have missed out on. 
if he had let fear and shame grip him. God wants to use each and every one of you today. And we've got to choose to lay it at his feet. Maybe today you're, you've been diagnosed with something and that is just looming. Come lay it at his feet. I felt led to ask Gabriel to come. He knew I was going to ask him to come. I just... I'm going to ask the prayer team to come. And I'm going to ask you today, maybe you this is your first time here. And you say, I don't even know these people. I can tell you personally that these people love Jesus. And they believe in his healing power. They believe in the power of laying things at his feet. And your Father in heaven doesn't want you holding on to ashes anymore. Maybe you're just like, you're just like they, the, all those that were standing there that had been standing in the battle. And you heard the verse that I read that when David said, don't let your heart fail. He's telling them, quit, don't worry about it. Just don't lose heart. And today you've lost heart. Maybe you just say, I'm out of gas. I'm, I'm tired of being faithful. And you just need him to refill you. These people want to agree with you for that. Maybe, here's what I believe. I grew up in church where there were altars, you know. But here's what I believe in altars where you make it. And you don't need a physical altar to come kneel down. But maybe you need to just come kneel at the front and just come lay it at his feet. But I do know there's power in agreement. And we serve a God that heals you know, my dad said something he was sharing with me about the men, a little bit about the men's breakfast and something that was said. And he said that we've got to make God bigger in our hearts and bigger in our house. And I'm not telling you all of it. it you know, it was directed towards, you know, speaking to men. But man, he said that. And I thought, how true is that? Some of us today, you just need to re-elevate the Lord. Put him back where he belongs. You get off that throne and put him back where he belongs. He is bigger. You may see big things. You may feel big hurts, but he is bigger. And I would add not only your heart, not only your house, but your head. Make him bigger in your head. Those thoughts that you may be hearing, you may be thinking, he's bigger. Reshift. He's bigger. Stop letting those things hold you back. Stop letting some of you, some of you, you could relate that when David said in Psalm 27 that your parents have forsook you. He's bigger than that. And he's the best of all parents. And today, he wants to show you what a loving father he is in spite of what you've experienced from your parents. That is not who he is. I'm going to ask everybody just to bow your heads and let him speak to you today. Ask him. Even some of you, you may already know. Maybe you're just like what Andrea said. You walked in with the heaviness and you don't even know why you feel it. 
some of you, maybe something I said today and you're like, that's me, that's exactly what I'm going through. Or maybe some of you, you stand here and you're like, I'm not really sure. We're going to get quiet for a minute. And I want you to ask him, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Show me. Am I letting something hold me back? Am I not running in obedience to something you've asked me to? Am I? Help me recount your victories, whatever it is. We're just going to pause. They're just going to play. And we're going to listen. Because his voice, his words, his revelation matter more than anything. to be able to say like hey I've built up walls and I've been living in offense and I want to be healed today what James 5.16 tells us is that when we confess those things to one another and we're prayed for that the prayer of a righteous person is effective and so we're going to take just a few moments as we end this service and if that's you I want to pray for you but then you can step out of your seat and just allow somebody to pray for you for whatever it is that you're going through. So Lord, right now, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for, uh, God, how even sometimes you call us out in moments because you don't want to leave us where we are. And Lord, I believe there might be people hurting and people struggling and people that have built up walls of offense. But Lord, right now, I pray that those walls would fall. And Holy Spirit, as we sing this song, I pray you would draw every person today who 